Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the purposes of God in marriage as we pick up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. There's something wrong today with our whole concepts of love. I get so tired of hearing a husband or a wife say, well, I never really loved them. I don't think I love them. I don't think I ever love them. Listen, if you don't love, don't get married. Where's your head? What are you thinking about? That's a terrible thing to say to your mate. Well, I don't think I ever really loved you. It's tragic. So there's, there's a basic problem in our whole dating system. And one of the basic problems of the whole dating system is that couples are getting deeply involved physically without even knowing each other emotionally. That is in a true deep sense. The relationship is predicated too much upon the physical aspects and there's not enough just getting acquainted and knowing. You see, one of the characteristics of true love is that it is patient and it will wait for that God-ordained time. And any guy that tries to hustle you along into bed before you're married doesn't really love you with the kind of love that you want your husband to love you. Get rid of him. That's the whole problem, you see. Couples are getting married without really knowing each other, without really loving each other because... Too much emphasis has been on the physical aspects, which is not true love. True love will wait. Beautiful openness in marriage. There should be. They were both naked. They weren't ashamed. They shouldn't be. The two are one flesh. Now the serpent, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now the serpent was not always what it is today. It didn't always writhe along on the ground. That is a part of the result of the curse living in the dust, eating the dust. What its mode of propelling itself was, we really don't know. Whether or not it was in erect position, whether or not it had even the capacity to fly, we really don't know. But Satan coming in the form of a serpent, first of all, questioned the word of God. Hath God said, 
Ye shall not eat of all of the trees of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now that is Eve sort of interpreting or adding to what God said. God didn't say anything about not touching it. She's sort of adding to what God has said. God just said, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. But God didn't say anything about not touching it. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. You see, first of all, the questioning of the word of God, and then the second challenging of the word of God, and this is always Satan's mode. The first thing that Satan does is he questions the word of God. Satan is constantly seeking to create a question. Did God really say? Is that really God's word? And look at the attacks that Satan has brought against the Bible. Hath God said? Was it really God who said it? And he is constantly challenging the word of God. After challenging the word of God, then he begins to question the word of God and then contradicts. Ye shall not surely die. And then he begins his lie. Jesus said he is the father of all lies. And this was the first lie. Ye shall not surely die. That's a lie. That's deception. But, you see, Eve didn't know evil. Thus she was deceived. The knowledge of good and evil didn't come until she ate the fruit. At this point, all she knew is God said, don't eat it. If you eat it, you will die. Now Satan is saying, you're not going to die. But God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be as God's knowing good from evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that God is trying to really to protect himself. Now the idea and the second thing here is the challenging of God's fairness. You see, he challenges the word of God and then he challenges the justice of God. God is under attack. His word is under attack. His justice is under attack. God doesn't want you to eat it because he knows that when you do, you're going to be as wise, you're going to be as God's, like he is, knowing good from evil. He isn't fair with you. He's trying to hold back from you something that is worthwhile, something that's desirable. God isn't really playing fair with you. He's trying to hold back to protect himself. How often Satan is challenging the justice of God. How can a God of love do this? How can a God of love allow this and so forth? Challenging the justice or the fairness of God. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food 
and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Jesus said all that is in the world, or I guess John said all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Look at the three, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Look how Satan hit her with a three-pronged attack. Lust of the flesh was good to eat. The lust of the eye, it was pleasant to behold. The pride of life, a tree desired to make one wise as God. And so he hit her with a three-pronged attack. With the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It was all there. And she ate. And she gave to Adam. And he did eat. Now, the woman was deceived, but Adam was not. Adam knew better. In the New Testament, we are told that Adam, actually the woman was deceived, not Adam. That is, Adam knew what he was doing. Adam's was a deliberate, willful choice against God's command where the woman would had really been hoodwinked by Satan. She was deceived. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Suddenly, the lust of the flesh having been given into, they became very conscious of the flesh, the beginning of man's body awareness. For in this action, there was a inversion. God is a superior trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Man made in the image and likeness of God was made an inferior trinity of spirit, soul, and body. The real me is spirit. I live in a body. I possess a consciousness or a soul. Made in the image of God, of the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, man, the inferior trinity, spirit, soul, and body, and man met God in the spirit level. With man's spirit uppermost, there was a beautiful communion and fellowship with God. But when man obeyed the body appetites, eating of this tree, man became inverted and he became body, soul, and spirit. The spirit now out of touch with God is dead. It has lost the awareness and consciousness of God. It's lying here dormant. And the uppermost thing that now rules the mind of man is the body and the body needs. The desires of the flesh now rule over man. So 
every one of us, according to Paul, in times past, walked according to the desires of our flesh, according to the prince of the power of the air that even now works in the children of disobedience and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, because I was born in this inverted way, body, soul, and spirit. My mind, my consciousness is now ruled as a natural man by the body appetites. It's all I think about. It dominates my mind. Now, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be born again. You were born once after the flesh. But you've got to be born again now of the spirit. There's got to be another inversion. And so being born again means that you are now born of the Spirit and there comes again this inversion to where once more you come back into the original plan of God where you are now once more spirit, soul, and body and the mind now in spiritual things. They that are of the flesh do mind fleshly things. They that are of the Spirit do mind spiritual things. The natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit, neither can he know them. They are spiritually discerned. But the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and joy and peace. So my mind, my consciousness, is ruled by either my body appetites or by my spirit. And when I am born again by the Spirit of God, the Spirit becomes uppermost. My consciousness now is that of a God consciousness. And my spirit again ruling, spirit, soul, and body, I come back into fellowship with God. I am now alive in the Spirit where I was once dead because of my trespasses and sins. But now God has made me alive again in the spiritual realm, and it's a whole new life. The old things have passed away. Everything becomes new. I'm a new creature. A creature that is now spirit, soul, and body in fellowship with God, and now the mind of the Spirit and the awareness of God and the desire and the longing for the things of the Spirit and the things of God. And your friends that you used to run around with don't know what's happened to you. You're not the same person you used to be. You bet you're not the same person you used to be. You've been born again. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And they can't understand your new life. Because the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit, neither can he know it. What seems to be so clear, so plain, so obvious to you is a dilemma and an enigma to him. And when you sit down to explain it, you just become frustrated because he can't understand it. And yet it seems so obvious and so clear. Why? 
because you have been born again of the Spirit. You now have a spiritual nature, and you are alive and attuned to the things of the Spirit, for he which is spiritual understands all things, though he is not understood by any. So here was the beginning of the inverted process, where man, in obeying the lust of his flesh, became a servant to his flesh. He was now ruled by his flesh and his mind was occupied by the needs and the desires of his flesh. And he came by, became by nature a child of wrath. And he remained that way until God made provisions through Jesus Christ for the process to be reversed. Now it is interesting that it was by the tree that man lost his fellowship with God. The choice, free choice of the tree that man lost his fellowship with God. It is also interesting that you still have a free choice. And there are still two trees. The tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we are always blaming Adam for making the wrong choice, but what about us? Who can we blame for the choices we make? God has provided again another tree, a tree whereby that which was lost by Adam's sin can be regained by our obedience. The cross of Jesus Christ, the tree upon which he was crucified, is the door that can lead a man back to God. But you must choose to come by that tree. God does not force you. Even as Adam exercised that capacity of free choice in eating of the tree going away from God, God has ordained that you must exercise that capacity of choice by partaking of that tree of life through Jesus Christ and coming into fellowship with God. It's your choice. But the provision is made through the second tree, the cross of Jesus Christ, to reverse the process of Adam. Now they heard the voice of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Notice now, it isn't God hiding himself. It isn't God removing himself. It's man removing himself from God. God said, my hand is not heavy that I cannot save. My ear is not heavy that I cannot hear. Your sins have separated between you and God. Here we find the beginning of it. Man hid himself from the presence or sought to hide himself from God. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Not that God didn't know. He wanted man to recognize it and confess it. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said unto him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman 
whom thou gavest to be with me. She gave me of the tree, and I did eat. This is the beginning of buck passing. <laughs> As Genesis, the book of beginnings. The first excuse. The first wife to get blamed for the husband's problems. Not the last. Blaming his problems upon his wife. The woman that you gave me. In a real technical sense, he's blaming God. You're the one that gave her to me. It's your fault. The woman that thou gavest me to be my wife, she did give to me and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat, passing it on down. And so now, God's judgment upon man. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Genesis 2 through 3 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you. May the Lord watch over you and keep you. May the Lord cause you to abound in every good work for Jesus Christ. And may the Lord grant to you new dimensions of relationship with Him that you might become more keenly aware of His presence with you and His power to help you. May God bless you. May you have just a fruitful, blessed week walking with Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, are you filled with joy? If this less-than-perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, 
you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, available to every Christian woman today. Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.